It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. From tabletop game design. With Jason and friends. It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, November 20th. And you're listening to episode 599. I haven't done that in a while, but it feels feels like, you know, we're on the cusp of something big here. Speaking of that, I have two people here joining me this evening. Two awesome game designers. Those game designers are Robbie Bergstrom and Zoe Allred. Hello, y'all. Hey. Hello. Thank you, Zoe, for having some enthusiasm. <laughs> I was like, uh. How's it going? <laughs> oh, it's good to have both y'all here. We did a little thing where I said, hey, uh, I would like some people to record 599. Shoot me some topics. Uh, if I get more than one person, I'm just not going to tell uh, everybody who signed on. And I did not. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So y'all beat me to the green room here that this uh, program has. So, uh you did get to intro yourselves but uh yeah here we are and uh got stuff to talk about but uh what's before we do that what's been going on with y'all i am officially older than dirt uh no yeah mm-hmm. i um we just did over the weekend did a huge uh furniture rearrangement in our house at, and uh, we moved the master bedroom to the to the ground floor and the kids have the upstairs rooms. Um, and I got to say, I'm digging it. What with my back being bad for like a few months now. And, uh, but yeah, no, having, having your bedroom on, on, on the ground floor, like just not far from the front door of the house. It's just, I, uh, yeah, I might as well not far from the uh, retirement home now. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That went places. <laughs> How about you, Zoe? Um, well, Roughly two months ago, I had some pretty intense surgery, and I've just been recovering from that. Um, just yesterday, I started returning to my standing desk, and that's where I'm at today. I'm on my feet, and I'm getting my my calves are waking up. Yes. <laughs> you are, and I I cannot believe that was two months ago. My goodness, yeah. that like, because you like only disappeared for about a week. You know, it was a lot of Zoe giving updates uh, from your bed. <laughs> Where you were yeah. just like looking at the camera. I'm just now realizing then, why you were in bed. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of envious. I was like, I should be doing this from bed. Why aren't I? No. But uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, wow, it's two months ago. And yeah, when we started today, the first thing I commented, I was like, you're standing and bopping back and forth. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I know. I know at first the recovery was a little tough, so I'm glad to see how much better you're doing. That's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. It it was looking really bad like a week ago. My doctor said it was like one of the worst recoveries she's seen like the whole oh, summer. Gosh. Yeah, so that left me feeling really pessimistic about my chances what? of going to PAX. But this past week, I've been really hitting like a good recovery swing so i'm a little more optimistic now <laughs> really oh wow yeah, that's awesome yeah because yeah, last um, i had heard you had said it was a, probably a no-go oh that'd be great yeah yeah i'm i'm not certain i'm waiting till my doctor's appointment next week before i actually book my tickets which is a little late but i don't know it, right. <laughs> that's the hope nothing wrong with that that's awesome and yeah it would be great to see you. Robbie will be there. I'll be there. A bunch of BTGers are going to be there uh, this year hanging out again. And uh, 
I'm looking forward to it. I met you. Was it there last year? I think where we first met it was probably. I packed. think so. Yeah, I yeah. think it was. Um, but I've never, never met uh, Robbie in person. So I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, yeah. PAX, I think, was the first time I met several people last year. And uh, it's exciting. Yeah, it was my very first convention ever. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was me, a whole lot of people for the first time. I guess yeah. it'll be my first convention. I, although I went to an unpub. Would you consider that's like a game design event? Is that a convention? No. I, I mean, I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to like gatekeep you into conventions. <laughs> Can you, like, you went to a game design thing. Like I, I'm good with that. You know, traditionally, is that a convention? I'm sure a lot of people would argue that it's not. But you went to a, a thing where you met up with a bunch of game designers. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like it. Um. All right. Well, all I've been up to lately is uh, I was telling y'all I got my COVID shot today and my flu shot at the same time. I mean, not at the same. The guy wasn't like, you know, with two needles, like stabbing me in both arms at the same time. But it was my guy. The flu shot, like the COVID shot, I was like, boop. And the flu shot, like that hurt. I was like, what What are you doing with that? He's like, oh, that one always hurts worse. I was like, okay, ow. <laughs> they were try- I thought, I think it was the reverse for me, but. But his point was, one or the other, he's like, this one you have to jam through the top of the bottle to get the sample. So it gets dulled a bit when you pierce even that rubber or plastic layer. Anyways, the point is, like, one needle is duller than the other. So it goes in a little more. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I was not a fan of that second shot. The first one was uh, all right, but the second one was not cool. Uh, But I'm glad I got them. I wanted to make sure I got those before packs um, just because travel and such and uh yeah and i think pax doesn't have the mask policy this year it's like encouraged but not required oh really i think yeah i mean i feel pretty confident that all the people we'll be hanging out with will probably have masks on in the crowded areas so yeah Um, i'll have to double check that yeah double check because i'm not i thought that's what i had heard was they weren't requiring it this year Um, which would be weird to me because yeah. they were, like, so good about it last year. I was, like, yeah. eating something, like, way away from everyone in an area that I thought was okay. And this guy was like, no, nah, dude, you gotta, you can't have that here. And I was like, okay. Like, no one was around, but I was like, I'm not going to argue. Like, you're doing your job. That's great. So I went and stood out in the rain and ate a sandwich by myself. It was tasty. That was a good sandwich. So Yeah, you know. that mess policy was is one of the only reasons I go to PAX or, like, over most of the other conventions. So I'm, right, I'm right. hoping they didn't change it, but I'll have to. Yeah, double, <laughs> I want to double check that. So I just pulled it up, and it looks like um, they do not have a requirement currently, um, at least as of the last time it was changed. So that's a bummer. I was, uh, yeah, I was... Wishing they would do that, um, but I also understand that a lot of places are not doing that anymore. But uh, conventions feel like a great place to do it because, you know, people traveling from all over the world to be together in a very tight space. <laughs> this feels yeah. like it screams for, let's put a mask on. Yeah, that that makes me antsy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I know I'll for sure be wearing one uh, in any big areas um, and certainly when I fly there because... Uh, those things just seem like uh, disease tubes. So mm-hmm. disease tubes in the sky. Yeah. I don't know about that, but so um, yeah. Well, Hey, on that note, that bummer, let's uh, let's talk about a topic. <laughs> We're uh, going to change the energy here. We're going to, we are going to get into it. It's going to be great. 
No. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Robbie, you said you had a topic. Zoe just said, hey, I want to, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly chat. And so I was like, perfect. So go ahead and introduce, introduce the topic that you brought to us today. Sure. It's, it's, it's one of my generic topics. Uh, so not too specific. I'm not sure where it will, will go. But um, with you on the cusp of 600 podcasts and designing a bunch of games, and Zoe, you've done probably many, I've seen you on many podcasts and vidcasts and have designed many games. Um, uh, and with me having listened to hundreds of podcasts and designed, I'm going to count two games. I'm going to count the game I designed from my friends and I uh, bet on hockey. I'm going to count that as a, as a game that's uh, pretty successful. Um, and, and the one I'm working on. Uh, I was thinking back on, on all the guidance I've heard from various designers, big to small, and, and one thing that sticks out a lot to me is just this feeling of, uh, all the way up to the, even the most successful people, is this sentiment of, um, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and then, I, you probably had that experience too, like maybe in your professional life. I can, I can recall, like, uh, I was an administrative assistant out of college for this uh, financial nonprofit that like got the greatest minds together making guidance for financial standards. I won't say the name of the company or anything, but, and then I'm listening on these calls and transcribing them. And, and it was just interesting how, you know, everyone in the room was just, just an ordinary person. And I don't know, like that can be kind of eye opening. You think, um, <laughs> you think these giant organizations and corporations and, and, and successful people, well, they must all have it all together. And, and then um, you find out that nah, everyone's just kind of a, a human being just doing the best they can um one particular anecdote i'll relay from another designer was um you know they worked for a giant company i guess it was hasbro and people probably know this story i, I won't say the name because it's not my story and i don't want to get it wrong or misquote or anything but they um were trying to save their project and went into a big board meeting with all the board people and pitched their project and then got to stay in the room while they discussed it. And when they listened to them talk about it, they just kind of realized that, wow, nobody knows what they're doing. And that gave them a lot of a, that gave them a lot of freedom. And it gives me, it's probably, it's probably the most encouraging thing I've felt and heard from, from people talking about game design, how you just kind of stick with it. And I guess uh, to kind of like launch it off and get your thoughts on it, I wanted to throw a couple quotes and one is from a gentleman in a book, unfortunately titled A Dangerous Book for Boys, because unfortunately, I guess they didn't know that girls can do dangerous things too. But um, This is true. Uh, he says at the beginning of the book, this isn't the author, it's a quote from a, a sergeant in the ordinary to H.M. the King. Um, don't worry about genius and don't worry about not being clever. Trust rather to hard work, perseverance, and determination. The best motto for a long march is don't grumble, plug on. And I mentioned I was, I was in my downstairs master bedroom, and I'm like, well, surely, you know, when I was moving all this furniture around, I stumbled on this book by Mr. Rogers. And I'm like, I need to take a nap before the podcast, but surely Mr. Rogers has something that might apply to this conversation. And right as I was falling asleep, I landed on it. Um, he says, I've often hesitated in beginning a project because I've thought it'll never turn out to be even remotely like the good idea I have as a start. 
I could just feel how good it could be. But I decided that for the present, I would create the best way I know how. I would create the best way I know how and accept the ambiguities. And I want to add one last thing. At, uh, and that is a, kind of a, just an example of how I've kind of applied this to my life and how I'm applying it to game design and hoping it, you know, comes out good at the end. Either way, it's just a fantastic journey, as I'm sure you can ascribe to as well. But uh, going through some old college papers, I, I wrote this introduction to a professor where I, of course, had procrastinated to the last minute, had no ideas, and then just wrote a paper about, a, I say to her, uh, Dear Mrs. Dixon, this paper hardly meets the one requirement you made for the assignment as it's more about me than the material we covered. Still, it's the only topic I felt like considering seriously. So this speaks to my own egotism. Um, in my defense, I would offer a quote, another quote from John Gardner's Art of Fiction. The qualities that make a true artist make it important that the student writer never be prevented from working as seriously as he knows how to. So I don't know. With that, what are your thoughts? I guess uh, I don't have any specific questions, but there you go. Well, um, that reminds me of this um, this thought that people who want to make art are often people who love art, but this means that they've developed a refined taste of art and they have like a night they have a really good eye for quality, which means if you haven't made a lot of art before, you're going to make like art that's like quote quote unquote bad and you're going and the flaws are going to stand out for you because you got that really good eye for quality <laughs> so mm -hmm. in art so the only way to actually become good at art is to crank out crank out all that bad art and force yourself to make all that bad art because you're not really protecting anybody by withholding your art from the world you're just protecting your like fragile ego that's like, this isn't good enough. This doesn't meet my bar of quality. I don't want anybody to see my shame, the shame of my bad art. <laughs> but mm -hmm. you got to get that out there because that's that's the only way you'll develop your skill set to match your eye of quality. That's a good point. Um, and, and it reminded me of, um, Jason, I was listening to you uh, a few podcasts ago. Lots of people you, do. Yeah, well, you were on. Yeah, I, I tend to. I try to tune you out. I try Not to listen really. to the other person. No, um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but uh, you had you were mentioning like you had a goal. One of your goals as a designer was to do um, an IP game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, and I was and I was thinking like, wow, that's that is not one of my goals. I, I what I'm trying to get to is that for me to like really get into uh, a piece of art or a piece of work, I have to be just completely bought in, uh, inspired. Um, the reason I found this old paper of mine was in order to kind of encourage myself in times I'm down, I try to think back at times where I got through something and did a good job. And there was two times in particular in college that the professor pulled me aside after class and I thought I was in trouble. But they, in, in each case... Um, they asked me if they could hold on to my paper to, to use it as a teaching example. Um, one was a comparison of, of classic comedy, uh, Aristophanes, The Wasps, which is pretty much exactly the same movie as Rodney Dangerfield's uh, Back to School. And the other one is um, about Shakespeare and repertoire. But anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I, 
that was the only basically the only two papers I did really well on in school because I really got into it and and yeah. But same thing, you know, I dabble in songwriting, but uh, real songwriters, uh, hundreds of songs, just hundreds and hundreds, you know. And I've written, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 over 25 years. Um, maybe not even that. More like probably just 30, 35. I don't know. Well, and I've made up a bunch more. I don't write down, but whatever. I feel like, um, right. uh, you know, we're all designers, but there's definitely like, and there's, you know, there's so many degrees of, of what a designer is or an artist. But there's definitely the, um, what Zoe was talking about where you just pump out a bunch. And then there's, I guess, my spectrum was just like, I have to be completely convinced and bought in and to be able to see it through. Otherwise, I don't know if I just drop it or let it go. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Um, first, Is real it? quick, I want to jump back to the Mr. Rogers quote was probably the best explanation of game design I've ever heard like how perfect it is in your head and you're like if I make this it's going to be garbage um but you know in addition to that um the other stuff you said some of that rang with me too um especially when you talked about me talking but uh I'm <laughs> kidding no like hey you burned me before the microphone is on so never mind it's yeah. true um <laughs> so I think that you know, when it comes to like, you know, you said like you wanted to do an IP game and like that's not something I would care about, basically. Um, I, I think the reason is the same, though, because you're like, I want to be totally bought in on a project. And the idea for me of getting to work with an IP that I love, that helps me be totally bought in. Right. Because I love nerdy culture and things like that. And it turns out I got an IP game. And it wasn't even, it wasn't an IP I was super familiar with. I think it's a great IP, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, obviously for me, it's like a childhood IP that I would love to get. Like something I grew up with, right? Sure. Um, so, but I really do have to be fully bought into something to work on it. I, I've said this before that, you know, what I'll do with a game is I'll have an idea. Like today, I just had a crazy idea for a game today. I did a bunch of research i put a bunch of stuff down i mean i, I spent like 45 minutes on it but I, I learned a lot in those 45 minutes and gathered a lot of ideas and then during another thing like another meeting i pitched it to a friend and um you know, they were like oh this is good you should work on this but like if i start to work on that maybe i'm just like you know what nope this is not that exciting to me and i'll just drop it mm -hmm. um and so I guess my way that I always know if I'm totally bought in is I start to work on it. And if suddenly I find that it feels too difficult and I'm not, and I'm like, this is too much work. Like, I don't want to work on this. Then I'm not totally bought in mm -hmm. to me. Being totally bought in means I'm willing to power through the parts that I'm like, Oh, this right. is awful. I hate this part. But if I'm willing to do that, then I'm totally bought in. So that's how I know if I'm totally bought in. You got any thoughts on that there, Zoe? Oh, I yeah. That yeah. there, like I was a cowboy. I <laughs> Zoe. <laughs> well, I got some mind fine opinions on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, like, um, yeah, I very much am in the camp of uh, doing what your, what your brain is least resistant to. Um, if mm -hmm. I'm trying to go down, say, down a particular path of game design, 
and I'm just like really struggling with it. Like I'm like, okay, for this to work, I need to make like like 50 different card effects, and I'm like, I can't even do five of them. I'm like, okay, they're mm-hmm. not going to be card effects anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it's a very um, path like lean into what my strengths and what my styles are and um kind of doing way of doing things because yeah like if if i'm not like compelled if i'm not like passionate enough that i could see myself following through with this then i'm not going to have the energy i'm if if i don't have the energy for it, i'm just not going to work on it mm-hmm. that's just how my adhd brain works like I, if i have to i have to set up myself i have to like I have to like put the um, cookies in front of myself to make sure I get to the end goal. And if, uh-huh. if I, those cookies aren't appealing enough, I'm just not going to go there. This is just not, this is not possible. <laughs> Shame. I think there's a, there's a thought um, trying to arrive at about, and I think what Mr. Rogers is, is saying to um, just about being your authentic self and doing it, doing it the best you know how I think that you can get caught up like listening to podcasts and, and just the, the skills so many people bring to the table with their abilities, um, you know, various software and, um, and just think ways to make design quicker and easier. And, and I, I guess I'm, what is it? Luddite? I don't know. I've been a bit resistant to all that. And, um, and I just, I just have to kind of keep plotting through the way I know how, which is just super slow. You've, you've commented, uh, in the past, uh, Jason, about watching me like uh, work so slowly, like you're envious of, of that I can just take so much time. This game inf- has taken me years, you know. And I'm just, you know, I'm sitting here like literally. I was like um, punching out uh, holes in cards with a hole punch and a hammer, <laughs> and and I didn't even end up using it. But you know, it's all it's all satisfying stuff. Um, See, yeah, I I love that. I love that you have that singular focus. Um, I don't think I could ever have that about something for that long game wise, obviously, you know, my family, but I mean, <laughs> like other than that, like when it comes to like a project or something, like there's no way a project carries me more than a year. Like I have to have the carrot at the end for me to know what I'm going to do with it. Um, because like, I want to put, so I want to put things that get to people that like, you know, give positive experiences for people and make them have memories and things and, you know, and and that sort of thing. Um, So that singular focus is, is hard for me. Now, something doughy that you said though, that I just popped back in my head. I do not want to miss it because it was very synced and made a lot of sense about the having to get the bad art out there, right? Like having to work through (laughs) things like, and I just want to point out that like, I think, I think sometimes there's, you know, the whole, like, I got to put in 10,000 hours and I have to like do all these big things and figure it out and make a bunch of crap. And, and like, I think all that's true, but I think that once you put 10,000 hours in or whatever that magic number is, you're still very capable of making crap. Right. Oh yeah. Like, and, and that is the thing we need to remember that, you know, the people, the big famous designers that have made hundreds of games and had hundreds of games published, like, can still make garbage. And that's, like, okay. You know, yeah. um, painters, writers, all sorts of things. Sometimes we just make garbage, um, despite the fact that we tried our best. And I think that 
normalizing that is really important because I know for a very long time I suffered with with kind of what I'll call like the man behind the man behind the curtain like affliction where like I always wanted to be the wizard, right? Like I wanted to be the wizard. Anything I worked on, I wanted, you know, it to look polished. I didn't want mm-hmm. people to see the mechanisms behind it. And I, I realize how silly that sounds when I literally was talking about all of it on a podcast, right? Um, I was putting it all out there. I was sharing it all, but, but there's a difference. Like I can talk about failure. I can talk about making stuff that's bad, but like, if you notice one thing I don't talk a lot about is like, Hey, I made this game and it sucks. Like, mm-hmm. even though I have, I've talked about it a few times, but like in general, like that's, that's a border that's a little harder for me to cross. Right. Because then it's like, like I'll, I'll, I did this play test one time. I twice now I've done this. I worked so hard on a game to bring it to Gen Con to do a first play test hours. I like, we're talking like Robbie Bergstrom hours. Like I put it <laughs> on these games, but over the course of like two weeks, and then I brought them and they were miserable. Uh, the one just literally played for four hours and it wasn't done yet. And I don't think it was anywhere close to done. The second one, halfway through the game, somebody was like, I have to admit, I'm not sure what my goal is here. And somebody was like, oh, I'm glad you said that because I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing either. Like Ooh. I'm doing <laughs> stuff, but like I don't really want to and I don't know what I'm doing. Um which reminds me of feedback I got on a game once. My favorite feedback I've ever gotten on a game. It hurt. It was true. Uh, but they said it was Matt Loomis, uh, who's a designer who I haven't seen in a long time. But uh, he's played the game and he said, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with this game. Like, I didn't hate it. But I definitely don't ever want to play it again. <laughs> um, and Matt, Matt, Matt is a super great guy, but he's known for for that type of feedback um uh in in somehow he does it in a way where you're not like like this guy's a jerk right like he mm-hmm. he's a really nice guy but like that's just kind of how he talks about stuff and uh and yeah so like i you, think you, you need that though i mean yeah. right we we have to admit like i brought him a game one time and was because like i needed like tough love i needed somebody to tell me stop working on this game and nobody would so i brought it to him and he's like He's like, you know, you caught me when I'm trying to like soften these things. And I was like, no, man, I need like original you. Like, I need you to tell me. And he was like, you have a lot better ideas than this. You should really work on those and not this. And I was like, thank you. Like, gosh, I just needed somebody to tell me that because nobody would. And I was so invested in the idea. Um, so all that to say, I think we need to be better as designers and in, in people who are putting themselves out there, especially those of us that are really putting ourselves out there to the public to be more honest about like our really awful stuff, our bad art to say like, this was, yeah, because it's, I think it's important to normalize so that people understand that that's, that happens to all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of like um, this past week and a half, I was working on a new project for break my game jam. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I was like, I was like really excited about it. I brought to my first play test today, broke immediately. <laughs> like I've been designing games for three years. The problem at the core was a, was a statistical math issue. And I've been doing math like my entire life. Like I have a degree in computer science. Like I was like, when I was like looking at it afterwards, I was like, well, no, 
no duh that didn't work what was i thinking like we, we, we make bad stuff like all the time no matter how mm -hmm. experienced you are <laughs> right 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 yeah i mean it's it's true and and that obviously ties back into the idea that nobody knows what they're doing rob in the beginning you said you worked at a financial place and you were like oh gosh like i mean i worked for 18 years in the mortgage industry and let me tell you what not a single person there knew what they were doing <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. pretty evident when you look at the economy and things like that. Um, but boy, howdy. Like, it There's was kind of a it was scary. Strange tangent to go off on right now. But, I mean, but like the mortgage industry and the financial industry and how people don't know what they're doing. Um, the mortgage, mortgage industry in particular is capable of doing some nasty stuff. Um, oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. A um, lot of for a long time, very much on purpose. Yeah, on purpose, for sure. But then also just a lot of people not knowing what they're doing. I imagine a lot of it is just, just incompetence. And, or, or, you know, yeah, there's malice. But then there's also probably just like people, yeah, they don't know what they're doing. And, and sure, that's selling. Do that. Do that risky thing, you know. Um, and I guess the, the way I'm relating this to game design is just the interactions you see the designers having with publishers and bad contracts and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, to keep in mind, publishers um, – they don't know what they're doing either. Uh, it's, it's, you know, you get in the room with them, they're just human beings too. So um, I think there's a lot of like genuflecting to the publishers and their whims and their strange contracts. But I think we just have to remember that they are humans too. And we should expect them to behave like that and write contracts like that. Um, so I don't know. That's the, that's the digression I wanted to go down. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, did we, hmm. go ahead. Oh, no. Did we, did we kill it? Did we just did we answer everything? Yeah. <laughs> That's everything you need to know about not knowing anything. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that, you know, like, so that's an, an interesting way to put it, though, like, when we think about the fact that nobody knows what they're actually doing, I think there are two big things that we should remember. Um, one is um, that we should, when we feel that imposter syndrome sneaking up or that, you know, just not good enoughness sneaking up to remember, Hey, no one actually knows what they're doing. And while people might talk about the fact, you know, there are people that know more than you people that know vastly more than all three of us combined. Right. And like you two are pretty smart. I'm not going to speak for myself. You two are pretty smart. So like if you put us together, there are still people that have forgotten more about game design than any of us know. Right. Because mm -hmm. they've been doing it for so long. Um, and that's okay that there are going to be people that know more than you, but even those people, some of them may think they're like, no, I got this. I know what I'm doing. They don't. They, they might know better than you, but that doesn't mean they really know what they're doing um, because we're all making it up as we go along. That's the point. So that's number one. And number two is I think that there's this quote and I don't remember, but it's something like don't ascribe to malice what could be explained through by ignorance. Right. Yeah. Because people are stupid and people do things and they sometimes those things seem like wow, that was awful. And they're like, nope, they're just an idiot. Um, like we all are. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, giving people a little bit of grace on the idea that like people screw stuff up because they don't know what they're doing, you know? 
And I think as people, if we admit that to each other, that allows us to give a little more of that grace to say like, okay, you screwed this up, you know? Um, I had a recent conversation uh, with a publisher um, who I scheduled a meeting with at their request to look at my game. Um, I uh, showed up to the meeting. They did not show up to the meeting. I messaged them in Discord and said, hey, are you not coming to this meeting? Because you don't seem to be here. And after waiting 20 minutes, I left. Mm -hmm. And they said, sorry, this didn't transfer to my calendar correctly. Whatever. They said, but I really want to meet with you again. Great. So I scheduled the thing, sent them a picture of it. Here's what's scheduled. Here's what it is. They said, sounds great. Can't wait to chat with you about this. I sat for 10 minutes on the next meeting. And they didn't show up again. So I sent them a message in Discord and said, hey, I, I'm going to assume you're not coming to this meeting. Uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, I'm I'm leaving uh, the meetup room. And so uh, they replied a little bit later and they said, like, oh, I'm so sorry. I had this thing come up with my day job and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I don't I don't doubt that. Right. Like, I don't doubt that they just missed it. Um, and they actually said, like, so I let him sweat. I didn't respond. I waited a few hours and sure enough, they responded again and said, listen, I want to apologize again. Um, you know, and I would love to chat with you about this, but if you're ready to just walk away at this point, I respect that. And I came back and I said, Hey, I respect the apology. Um, but after two times, I think I'm ready to walk away because, and I didn't say them this, but I mean, both of y'all know I've worked in the issue long enough to have been burned by a lot of publishers mm. <laughs> over the years. So like, when you see what's happening, you're like, you know, um, yeah, like I don't want to put myself in this position again. And, and, you know, they responded back. They were super cool. We actually went back and forth a few more times. Um, I kind of felt like they were doing that in hopes that I'd be like, you know what? No, you're cool. But I mean, I was like, no, I made the decision. Like, it's not happening now. Yeah. Like I was talking to someone else. I'm like, I will self-publish before going back to them with this. Um, but I wanted, well, I wanted to ask you, um, I mean, you have clients i mean you do coaching mm -hmm. um, yeah and yeah. If, if you had done that to one person twice uh-huh what's what's your next play i mean what's your expectation how are you recovering from that or do you i mean i mean i think i would do well uh first i would do a lot less explaining uh than the person did um because when you give a lot of explanations like it just sounds to like excuses sometimes mm -hmm. when it's like, Oh, this thing happened and this thing happened. And then, you know, I, I was joking. There was a publisher who messaged me. I messaged them and said, Hey, I did this pitch. You were interested. What's up. It's been a long time. And they were like, Oh, well, my email's not working correctly. Um, and, uh, I've been really busy and, uh, I don't know if we're looking for games. And I was like, well, can you pick an excuse? Like that was like, throw <laughs> your excuses in a blender and just send them all to me. Right. Um, which is, was like, now I doubt you because you've now given me three excuses and I don't know which one it was. Right. So I think in my situation, if I did that twice, like screwed up and didn't show up twice, I think I would say, Hey, I would tell the truth. Like if it was, I screwed up and I just missed this, I would, I would tell them I missed this. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I would love the chance to make this up to you. Uh, I would probably offer to credit them back for their time that they would have mm -hmm. paid me for, for something. Uh, but I would also say, listen, I'll credit you back. And, um, if you want to be done with me, like that's fair, like that is mm -hmm. totally fair. Um, 
and we can move on. You know, I, so I think I would have done a lot what the person had done. Um, and, you know, at the time when the publisher didn't show up the second time, I was pissed, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was kind of like, it's, it's interesting. I was explaining it to my wife and I was like, I was upset, but at the same time, I wasn't surprised. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I have had so many publishers not do what they said they were going to do that I'm never surprised when they don't. Were you I'm surprised? Bummed. Were you surprised at the first time you did it? Like, what, did you no. have a vibe from? No, yeah, no. Like, okay. But was there? I mean, particular... I had no vibe to tell okay. me that he was yeah. going to do that. But still, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's happened enough times. Like, I've had publishers not show up to meetings probably a dozen times. Sure. And only two of them are this person. So, <laughs> you know. So I mean, like. I, the number of times at a convention, I've showed up to pitch to someone and they're just not there. Like, mm-hmm. and that has been five to six different companies. It does tend to happen with some of the same people a lot, which is why I'm like, you know what? If this happens to the same people a couple times, I'm going to just move on. But I mean, I was, like I said, I was mad at the time, but really I'm just never surprised anymore when people don't do what they say they're going to do. Um, but I think I have to remind myself that some of those people literally don't know what they're doing um, and they've overscheduled themselves. They've, they've managed things poorly. And I'm not, again, I'm not making excuses for them. I'm saying, nah, I mean, it happens. Um, but I think it can make us choose who we want to, to put our time out there for. Right. You know, before we're like legally bound by a contract, like I want to say, I don't know that this is, I want to keep having these meetings where no one shows up. Right. Cause if it's happened twice, and we have several more meetings, it's going to happen again, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. clearly, like, fool me once, fool me twice, mm-hmm. blah, 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 right? You know mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Like, we, none of us may, we are all, flaw, like, flawed human beings um, bound to make mistakes every once again. But we're still, like, responsible for our actions and such. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, um, if yeah. I'm, like, incredibly flaky with a friend, they're, they might not be my friend for much longer. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> It's right. It's uh, and also you have to keep in mind like the power dynamics of like a publisher like snubbing you multiple times versus like a pers- like a individual like snubbing you by accident right. like a couple times like. <laughs> yes, that is that is very different, and you know I mean I, I who knows if the guy believed me when I was like no hard feelings like, like because, I mean I. I like I have to remind myself a lot that you can forgive someone for their actions, but also never want to deal with them again. Like, and that that's yeah. okay. That you can be like, yeah. I'm not mad at you anymore, Robbie, for all the mean things you said to me uh, about how you listen to other people on the podcast, but I will not be inviting you back because, <laughs> you know, Son of a that's God. not true though. I'll totally have you back. Maybe. Oh, uh, well, maybe my deal is I quote Mr. Rogers every time that, that might be, that might help this- Mr. Rogers here. was pretty smart. It's pretty so. awesome. So, uh, any, what are, what I are other follow, things I, that I, pop I, up for y'all? I just want to. I, I got an A on that paper. I just wanted to throw that in. There. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, was that your like Breakfast Club moment? You're like, yeah. you wanted us to do this assignment, but you just see us as the geek and the. I don't remember the other things. The jock, the geek, the. the I don't. She remember. wrote me. She wrote me two pages of single spaced reply she says here your command of the written word is a delightful surprise yes i do mean surprise (laughs) unfortunately beautifully beautifully crafted prose is a rare commodity even among english majors so i don't know i 
Just wanted what, to throw that Your in command there. of the written word. My command of the written word. In middle school, you, I was called the master of paraphrasing by my English teacher. Do you really teacher. want to be telling your students that it's a surprise that they did well? <laughs> well, here's right, the thing. Stoey, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I mean, it's kind of like your teacher was like, listen, Robbie, I met you. And I thought, what a bozo. And then I was like, oh, wait, no. He can write. <laughs> Well, there's one thing she says that's important. Um, give me one second. Okay. Yeah. She says crucial for her. The crucial ingredient is that is evidence that you actually thought about the material we read in class. I think that's important. Like, um, I guess kind of to bring the whole thing around. Yeah. If you approach it honestly, if you, if you do the best you can yeah, and, and, and approach it as authentically as possible, what you come up with is going to be a true reflection of yourself and some people are going to understand you and some people aren't. And my, I, my point being there that I basically tried to pull this off again on another teacher where I like ignored the assignment and just wrote my own thing. And that wasn't an A that was just, that was, mm. <laughs> it was not an A let's say. Um, so, you know, but you know, I don't know, like that game that the first time you tested it with people who said, Stop working on it. Maybe you make some changes. Maybe it comes back. I, I, no, they were right. In yeah. fact, when I said to Rob Couch, the former co-host, I said, I was like, well, you know, I could have done this and that, that would have made the game better. He said, man, nothing could have made that game better. <laughs> I think, and again, you know what I was like? You're right. You're I, I love the right. sentiment of, of, um, yeah, just you're trying. I mean, you look, I've been working on one game the, the way I'm doing this. Um, is completely wrong. And I, I, you know, I've listened to all these podcasts and, and, you know, start with a small game, do a bunch of games, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now I have that knowledge. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. I was listening to, um, Amabel Holland, uh, a recent video. And she says, um, I don't know. It's like sitting, sitting, you're talking to that girl at the bar and you know, she's going to ruin your life, but you're going to do it anyway. And <laughs> you're going <laughs> to, um, so, um, but I, I want to, let me stop you for a minute though. Right. You're like, I'm, I'm doing it all wrong. I'm doing it all wrong. The only thing you're doing all wrong is saying you're doing it all wrong. Right. right. So what did Zoe say? Zoe said, get your bad art out. Right. Mm -hmm. Zoe said, do the bad stuff. I've said before, work on a small game, fail, blah, blah, blah. You have literally done all of those things with this game. You've reinvented this game multiple times. You've explore different ideas you've made some really bad stuff in the game and then you've also made some really good stuff in the game like just because that is the typical path and that breaks out over multiple things you don't have to do it that way also i want to be very clear that a lot of times i'm like you know that one person that like only works on the one game forever um like i am never talking about you with that i'm specifically <laughs> talking about this person who made this game about dog shows that had like all of this stuff in it and, uh, and that game's never going to get published. But you know what? That person, boy, howdy, did they love, love, love that game. And they love showing that game to people. They got so excited about it. And I was like, this person's winning. Like, they, they don't even need to do anything with this right. game. This person's winning. Well, the reason oh, I went God. down, yeah. the, the reason I went down that path is um, your comment about, like, how wanting to show it to be, and get, please, someone stop me, you know? And that's, like, and that's all the times I've tested it with people when I, when I finally get it in front of people, which I've done now several times, you know? 
it's never, I never get the stop doing this that I want. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, it, this is a passion project. And part of it is like, you know, passion, there's a certain amount of suffering involved. It's like someone end this and, and no one will. So, so if I take this to PAX U and we play this thing, if it sucks, you're going to tell me. <laughs> and you know. No, well, not after that, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Zoe, let's agree on that. Okay. No. <laughs> you know what? I, you have showed me, Rob, so much of this game when we've been talking about it and stuff. That like I like there's no way that it sucks. It just doesn't. Like I know that. Well, I'm also realizing though that um uh I'm gonna try and make a good game. This is this is a personal project. I don't know about the whole marketability bill of it and given the theme. I, I've even I've spoke to there's at least one publisher I spoke to that they've written off um real world settings entirely. Um so uh Doing a doing a game even after a city or anything, they say it's too much risk for uh, hurting people's feelings. Um, but you know, I also have contacted people who lived in the city and mm-hmm. grew up there and um, studied there, and and they're excited about it. And last time I gave an update to my cultural consultant, she was she said she reviewed it with her husband, and they're just over, you know it's too, totally excited. And I think it's gotten better since since then. So anyway. Um, that's just starting to digress. Hey, I'm gonna. Stuff. I want to yeah. recommend a book to you that just mm-hmm. I just finished, and it very much feels uh, like like you need. So this book is called The Dragon Behind the Glass uh, by Emily. Uh, it's V O I G T. I don't know how you pronounce it. Voigt. 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 I don't know. Anyways, anyways, it's about a lady who decides to for who works for NPR who decides to check out. Um, what it's like to be in one of like those animal officers, not like the sad ones. Like this dude was like busting people with exotic animals in New York city. Like she went on a thing with him and there was like an alligator, but she hears about this fish called the arowana. And then she just goes down this three and a half, four year rabbit hole. Um, and well, she ends up in some crazy places. It just occurred to me listening to you talk about your game and the city and stuff and everything you've done. You should you should read that book. I feel like you'd be like, oh wow, yeah. What was the what was the name of it again? The dragon behind the glass. Okay, because the name of the fish means like dragon or something like that. Sure, it's fantastic. I I, I just wanted to say on the topic of like um, people who are passionate about something that you don't like or something like I sometimes I'll meet somebody who's like got this idea that they're incredibly passionate about and it just looks like hot garbage to me. I like have absolutely no interest in it. It looks terrible to me, but like, I, I'm not going to throw a wet blanket on it. Like when I see that fire in their eyes, because I'm like, like, I hate this, but somewhere out there, there's another person who's just as crazy for this dumb idea as mm-hmm. you. So mm-hmm. go keep digging your hole. Keep, keep chasing well, that windmill. <laughs> when, I was, when I saw that person with that crazy dog game, I was like, Oh, I just really hope whoever play tests this, it was like at a, it was a play testing event. So I couldn't go play it. Like I had to be at my table. Um, and I was like, I just hope whoever plays this, like appreciates the passion this person has. And they did, they loved it. They had a great time. And so I was like, Oh, thank goodness. Like, because I just don't want to see that person like gets the, have the fire go out. Right. Like you're totally mm-hmm. right about that, Zoe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, like, uh, I've had, like, people throw wet blankets on, like, my fire before, and, like, this was, like, before I, like, developed the confidence to be, like, like, okay, yeah, 
my my tastes are kind of acquired <laughs> like so i i feel like it's important to foster that because like maybe it's just something that doesn't appeal to you but maybe appeals to other people who are also kind of on the fringes <laughs> and i think that's valuable too uh, just as an aside, uh, I love asides. Um, at the you same do. time, yeah, there, there was a. I went to a game test, and and there was this game there that needed to be dialed back. Um, the whole premise. Well, anyway, um, and we were the two people giving feedback. We were f- we were fair, but like we probably should have said more. We were trying to. We we're trying to get our thoughts together, and, and you know, but you all, like you said, you don't want to put a wet blanket on their fire. But at the same time. When it was done, it was a three-hour test. That was the end of the first hour. They packed up and left. So uh, uh, what I'm saying is don't hold back <laughs> you know, in case – I don't know. Like, well, I guess the main point is don't test your game and then pack up and leave and not test anybody else's is the main point there. But, um, oh, but yeah. also you should always be honest with someone, um, especially if there's a possibility that they might just pack up and leave and not test your game. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I I I give a I do a lot of play testing, and I a thing I am frequently saying is, I do not like games like this. Um, uh, just as a disclaimer, and then I give all my like honest feedback on the things that I did not personally enjoy. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I do I, think it's important to like give that that feedback on what how you're feeling, even if that feeling is like like uh like distress or like boredom or whatever because like that could be important for them refining it into the gem that they want it to be but also i like to throw in that caveat that i don't enjoy games like this because like maybe i'm not their market and that's fine that's right (laughs) and i don't like any games so i say that in almost every (laughs) playtest like this type of fill-in-the-blank game is not my type of game sorry (laughs) I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. Any other thoughts on well, this? Okay. Here? So, so uh, I opened this up with, uh, you know, talking about you've done hundreds of podcasts and I've, I've listened to hundreds and, <laughs> um, and the general um, feeling I mean, probably the most that, like I said, the thing that stands out the most is this feeling of not knowing what you're doing and, but kind of pushing through what is your, uh, after 599, almost 600 podcasts, what is your, how would you sum it up? Sum it all up right here, right now. I don't understand the question. Like, like what is your general takeaway from all these conversations? And, uh, my general takeaway from, from listening to like successful designers is, is that you, 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 you're uncomfortable not knowing how this is going. You test it, you push through, you, you work honestly and you hope it works out. Uh, and in some cases it does and in some cases it doesn't, it's a creative field. It's, I see, I see people, I've seen people tweeting, they're disappointed and not getting the opportunities they want. They feel like they're, um, you know, should be more successful or just struggling in general. And it's a creative field. It's, um, you know, I don't know. I go back to like comparing it to songwriting and stuff. Jeez. Think, you talk about something that's like the odds of the odds of success are just minuscule. The odds of the odds of at least getting published in gaming is, is a lot bigger and, and I guess success may be a tiny bit bigger, but you know, um, you just have to do the best you can and, and, and enjoy the process. But, but at the same time, I think like 
people who are like doing this professionally, it's be hard to enjoy the process if, if the royalty checks aren't coming in. Um, so it's, you know, I'm here talking as, as, you know, a hobbyist and a fan. So I can't speak to that experience of trying to make a living. And I've actually, I know at least one designer that it was time for them to get out and they wanted out. So as many people want to get in, maybe there's quite a few who want to get out. I don't know. Now I'm just, uh, you know, ad living, but anyway. well, you said you don't want to speak for it, but honestly, you, you summed it up pretty well. I mean, um, you know, you said you, you do the best you can and then you enjoy the process or something like that. Sure. Yeah. And that is, I mean, that's pretty much the whole deal, right? I mean, yeah. Like, you know, it, it's funny cause you said, you know, you try things and sometimes it works and sometimes uh, to see if it'll work. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But what it sounded like you said was sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it doesn't. And I thought, <laughs> that's what it feels like some days. No, no, that's what I said. Yeah. Oh, is it? No, no, it isn't. It like really it. sounded like that's what you said. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, Freudian slip right there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I mean, I really think you just have to do the best you can, right? You do the best you can and you're going to have success. You're going to have failure um, and you're going to learn a lot, but you're always going to not know more than you know because everything's always changing, you know, and just when I'm like, I've got my head around how this stuff works in the game industry, things are pivoting. We're seeing huge shifts right now, listening to people trying to get meetings at PAX and stuff like that. And it's, everything is changing, you know, we're hearing all these different things and, um, yeah. And I mean, I, part of me wants to like, be like, ah, about that. But the rest of me is like, well, I guess I'm just going to pivot and do this differently then. Well, so. you know, but also everything, everything moves in cycles there's booms and busts and there'll be another boom there'll be there'll be another pandemic no no i mean <laughs> statistically speaking, yes yes yeah. yes there will and given given the way there everyone will. behaved yeah there's gonna be right, there will. but anyway there will be a continued I mean, pandemic it may be, pandemic it may be measles <laughs> or smallpox <laughs> yeah right yeah, exactly. um, but uh yeah um a, yeah though i'm sorry no go ahead please um i uh i I want something. Uh, sorry, my brain kind of got sidetracked. I'm trying to get back onto the track right now. I so understand that. I'm just going Reference. to sort of heave the train back on. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, well, we so, were we um, were talking about game design. Does that help? Uh... Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. So, I'm um, I'm hoping that the I I've, I've been uh, there's this like new tabletop game designer association that's coming up that I'm really hoping mm -hmm. to shift oh, things yeah. in the field. For I think sure. like. Part of the like you were mentioning that sometimes people feel like very like frustrated in the field, and I think, I think a lot of that's just like compounded by it's just like how everything awful is is compounded by capitalism and like how yeah, yeah. like um, the amount of effort you have to kind of put into like this art is really difficult when you're doing like a full time job, which is pretty much like required because it does not make you money is <laughs> yeah. not mm -hmm. lucrative business yeah. until like you've gotten to the point where you get royalty checks, which may not ever happen. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right, so right. yeah, there's, yeah, it's, if, if only we were allowed to like create art and not have our livelihood depend on it, like that would be nice. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That would I don't know. Nice. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the people have complete reverence and respect and, and yeah. Uh, do whatever I can to support the people who are trying to, you know, make this happen. And, and do that. So, yeah, all the best for sure. 
All right. On that note. So I have a request from you all. Um, normally, I don't pitch a game, but I kind of want to talk about something. Is that okay? Sure. Oh, Is yeah. that okay with you, Zoe? Oh, sure, sure. Um, so I mentioned, I think I mentioned on the show, or it was before we were talking, that I had this idea um, for a game today, and I spent some time working on it. Um, I want to pitch that. In the, uh, you know, getting back to, like, Rob and I used to pitch the roughest ideas. I mean, literally, I would jot some notes down before we started, and then I would just pitch that game, you know? Um, we used to do the pitch challenges and stuff, which we have to get back to those again. Those were really fun. Um, and they're a great exercise for your design brain. Um, but so I I had this idea today. And right now, I'm just calling this game I Am an Island. Uh, that'll change for sure, um, probably. Um, and the game was not inspired by the quote. But when I thought about the idea for the game, I immediately thought of Simon and Garfunkel, I Am a Rock. I am an island, or I am an island, as they say. Um, and that's that perfect. <laughs> so, so it's a solo journaling game because that's been my jam lately. Um, you know, in, in some of those games that I'm working on are about imposter syndrome. One is about walking yourself through an existential crisis um, and really facing it. You know, other ones are about uh, all sorts of different things. The inevitability of something bad happening. Um this one, though, so I have this favorite island in the world. And if you've listened to the podcast long enough, you've heard me talk about this island, but it's been a long time. Um, the island that's my favorite island in the world is called Bouvetoya. Uh, and that island is in the uh, middle of the uh, South Atlantic. Um, it is, the reason it's special is because it is uh, the farthest island from any other landmass in the world, right? Uh, and the closest landmass is 700 miles away, and it's Antarctica. So there's not even people there. In fact, um, several times a day, uh, as the ISS uh, flies overhead, the closest people in the world are the astronauts on the space station uh, being only a few hundred miles away. And uh, this island was discovered in like the 1700s, not discovered again until the 1800s. And there have been very few missions to this island because it's a volcanic island covered in glaciers. It's only 19 miles around or 19 square miles, I think. It's small, but I'm infatuated with this island. I've read so much about this island. Um, my Animal Crossing island is named after this island. Um, and so today I was thinking about, like, this island and how it's just sitting there in the middle of nothingness, basically, by itself. And I thought, if that island was a person, that island would be, would have some feelings, right, about that, likely. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I couldn't get that out of my head. So I, uh, I've read extensively about this, but I was like, I need to like get some specific things together. So I pulled up chat GPT and just started asking questions so that I knew where I could go get all the resources. Um, when was it formed a few million years ago? When was it, when will all these discovery dates and things like that and getting all that and some interesting information. And then I kind of went into design mode and you know, so being that it's a solo journaling game, what happens is you're going to be given some information and then you're going to be asked to say what you feel about that. And in this, you will take on the role of this island. That's that's who you are. You are the sentient island. And it's just an island, but it's sentient, right? 
and you're going to start at the formation of it and it'll give you questions around like, you know, Hey, what do you see? What do you notice? And your feelings of like being newly created in this vast expanse around you. And what did that look like? And that's going to require some research and then, you know, moving up through time into when you're discovered. Right. Um, and then some like, when people are coming and setting up a radio station and all doing all these different things, like a weather station, all this sort of stuff. Um, and in answering questions about what your thoughts are on that and, and how you feel about that. And, and the whole point of the game is, um, is kind of dealing with this enduring loneliness or solitude of, you know, of being in a place that is, so inaccessible to others um, because I think, you know, a lot of times in our own minds, we find ourselves in those places. I, I, I know I do. Um, and I feel like being with other creatives in the game design industry, this is the creative thing a lot of times, <laughs> you know, so we find ourselves in these positions. So yeah. So as the game flows, it'll progress. I, I don't know, you know, I think every page will be a a date and it'll say like, you know, two million years ago like and and then it'll fast forward a certain chunk of time and then it'll fast forward to another event and then another and then as you fill this out you'll kind of create this story arc of like seeing these things from the island's perspective and interpreting the island's feelings as you know through your own lens of feelings and what it would be like for you to be in that position and uh yeah i'm trying to decide if i'm gonna go into the future or just go to modern day or how I want to do that. Um, but so that's my super weird game design idea that is very, very uh, still raw in my head. Uh, but I'm excited about it. Yeah. So the, yeah. the first thought that came in my head was you mentioned it is volcanic, right? So um, it was, well, there was a volcano under the sea that formed it through like yeah. lava and stuff. Sure. I don't think it's actually volcanic anymore. Sure. No. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's probably, it's probably a hot spot and the plates have moved on. And, but right. I guess the point being a lot of its history was probably spent underwater. And then there was a, there was a point where it got big enough to break through. And I just feel like that would be, oh, I didn't that would be think about event. that. Yeah. That would yeah. be an event yeah. to think about for sure. Maybe that's a, a big moment. Um, and actually what I was visualizing is that wonderful little um, Pixar, uh, short that I think came with Moana, where the uh, uh, the one, the one volcano lava. Yeah, if, 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 have you seen that? I haven't. Yeah, see lava. Um, it's just the guy. It's he's singing a song to his love. It's a wonderful little song on the ukulele, I believe. Yeah. And, I uh, have a dream. Mm -hmm. I wish will come true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Go. Go. Watch that right now. It's a. And it's, it's called like, lava. Uh, you said lava. Yeah. Is it spelled? Weird. It's just I don't think so. I think it's just, think it's lava. just, just lava. Yeah, lava. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a cool one. Um, when you cool. pitched your idea, um, I was reminded of a, another solo journaling game. Um, uh, uh, shoot, is it called Bonsai? Um, but by Jin Ku. Um, not to say that like somebody's already done it, but like um, because like in that game. You are like it's, you're following like a bonsai plant over several generations, but mm -hmm. like, um, but with that game, you're kind of journaling from the perspective of the people who 
take care of the bonsai and um oh that's and cool so like that it when you were talking about it, it remind me of that because like there um there are some really cool ways that were um it's um it's uh very japanese inspired so you go like backwards but like um it's designed so like you are supposed to like use like a ink pen or like um or ink brush to like draw the bonsai and you're drawing it in strokes but you're overlaying it so you could kind of see the past page and so you're like adding oh. onto it and so it's uh, like growing it's like cool. uh so maybe that's not so applicable to a mountain but that was well i don't know but it, that's really interesting <laughs> it could it could yeah. it pass through you could see the mountain growing on each page and yeah, yeah. yeah you could see like the different or like the different things that are changing on the island over the course of several like uh um like millennia or yeah or decades yeah i think mm -hmm. but yeah um, yeah i mean like I, super millennia right i mean it's mm -hmm. yeah right yeah. right thank you yeah no so coming soon just kidding uh at some point it's on the list so you know i kind of with these with these games i i basically gather a bunch of info figure out what i would do with it uh i make sure that it has a reason to exist. Um, that's a big part of it. Like, does this have a reason to exist? Um, what's it going to do for the players? Is it different enough from the other ideas? And then I just kind of pick the one I want to work on at the time and work through it. What it means is at some point I'm going to have a bunch of them. Uh, but for now, what I have is uh, a lot of bits and pieces of stuff. So kind of the yeah. opposite approach Rob is taking. <laughs> I hope you, uh, you need to send me some like solo journaling recommendations because I'm, I'm interested. I don't in have any recommendations on really? it. Now, the one yeah. Zoe just mentioned sounds sounds yeah, banging. Yeah. You should try. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would highly recommend checking that out. Um, that's uh, Jinku actually just does like amazing like design work all the time, like uh, very innovative like TTRPG type stuff. So I'm mm -hmm. check them out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can I throw a quick pitch, which is almost just a theme? essentially you can zoe can uh, after that if we want we have sure. all oh, the time in the okay. world on the internet so we can do whatever we want you don't have to zoe but it's if you'd like to well, i say no, it up. i have to I'm there going. was a there was a on a tuesday call the call you couldn't make a couple of weeks ago I, I think it was just me and emily and roscoe and tony um mm -hmm. i threw this idea out there that i was watching a long a long long time ago someone do a vidcaster and and uh, it's a popular big publisher and and someone asked in the comments like what's a theme you wouldn't do um, and they were like, I don't know, like, um, fantasy insurance or something. And my ears perked up. I work in insurance. Um, and I'm like, well, hold on, you know, insurance is all about loss aversion, loss mitigation, risk, you know, risk, you know, there's, there's lots of gameplay words in there. So, mm -hmm. um, and I am an, I'm an underwriter. And if you become an underwriter, you'll learn pretty soon. Like on the first day of training, the origin of that word is, uh, you know, when, 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 well, when the colonialist ships were sent out to go explore the new worlds, um, the, in the tavern, there'd be the guy, you know, funding it and backing it up and, and, and underwriting their name under the, under the queen's order, you know? Um, so, you know, okay. Fantasy insurance. Now the guys in, in the tavern, in the pub or whatever, and these guys are going to go out and explore <laughs> and kill a dragon or something. So, um, how, how does that work? You know, how do you insure that? So I'm just envisioning like, you know, one person does a dice chucking thing while the other person offer like insurance plans, essentially. Um, 
and it goes around. And I want to do like a quick like dice chucking game, and, and yeah, everyone else is trying to ensure it and not you know uh, bust out. Uh, so that's all I have so far. But yeah, I'm going to be working on the uh, fantasy insurance game. Um, it's but probably, yeah. That, that that's that's an that's an awful idea in all the best ways. Like I absolutely <laughs> am in love with it. Like it could be a reverse bidding game where you know one person is in in a round is playing as the as the adventure part adventure party right and then you're like everyone else is bidding on what they're willing to offer for what price right or like what and, take like we'll for the this percentage take of you what you get before you die <laughs> like we will ensure right. sure based on that well yeah and like so i just jotted down like okay um what are some things you'd cover? You know, life, death, collateral, property, gold, fire, the boat, boat insurance on your ship. Um, just, you know, all sorts of stuff. But, um, yeah, no, that's as far as I've gotten on that. I had some other thoughts, but, you know. I Term short ins- sword insurance, you know, like, listen. This <laughs> oh, well, Tony mentioned. breaks, you're going to want this. Tony mentioned, so he had heard, someone was working on, he had heard of something, a dra- game called Dragon Insurance or something like that. So, so it's out there. Oh, but, oh yeah. So I'm playing games like last week with, with some really experienced gamers who like played a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, have you ever even heard the term insurance in the game? Besides like what blackjack, you can do that horrible move where you insure or something. But um, I don't know. I feel like it's maybe like an unexplored mechanic, like where you, 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 you pay some money to avoid future loss and, and someone benefits. And I don't know. It's, it's, there's room to explore there. So yeah, it's not a theme I'm hoping to like pitch and like, you know, Kickstarter or anything, but, uh, I like the idea of, 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 ch- you know, being challenged by a theme that this couldn't be. Even. Um, yeah, that's I actually want like it to a, be fantasy insurance fraud. <laughs> well, yeah, well, sure. That, you know, that's, that's insurance fraud investigation is, is a big, uh, a big thing. And, and, uh, it could be interesting too. That gives me ideas there. But anyway, if you work in insurance, you probably don't want to make uh, a book, I mean, a game about insurance fraud. That seems like – like when I – it's funny. When I was in the mortgage industry, uh, we made a cookbook for this thing for a fundraiser and uh, not for the bank, for like, you know, some like – I don't know, like a thing we were doing for people. And um, somebody suggested we should name the cookbook Cooking with Interest, a uh, nice. double entendre of, you know, cooking because we're interested in cooking with – actual interest in doing something legal and we all uh don't work at the company anymore because that company got taken over by the government um <laughs> and so they posted they it cooking. on facebook and tagged all of us and i was like that name did not age well y'all <laughs> like, that was not good all right zoe your turn okay my turn um so actually i do have something um i've been walking my kid home from school and something that she'll like to do is start like like there's a area of my neighborhood that's kind of like a slant like a a hill and she Mm -hmm. likes to like walk on like the like tiny little walls that like sort Mm -hmm. of keep people's lawns like sort of level but like Mm -hmm. some of those walls like you start off on them and they're like a foot off the ground but because like you're on a hill by the time you get to the end of it it's like a three foot plummet um and so like i so my kid wants to like walk on all of them, but like I had to be like a oh, sweetie. Like by the time you get to the end of this one, it's gonna be like a four <laughs> foot drop. Like not this one. This one is fine. This one ends at like a two foot drop. You could do a little like hop off of it, maybe. Right, um, right. And like so, uh, I've been wanting it to make like a parenting. 
<laughs> I've been wanting to make a parenting game for a while where like um you where part of the game is like how much like how tight of a like leash do you keep on your kid because like on one hand you want your kid to develop the confidence to to do those three foot j- jumps but at the same time you don't want them to do like a five foot jump and then break their leg and then like have trauma and then you have like expensive therapy or and also like your kid could get very seriously injured so a game about balancing allowing your kid to grow like independence while not getting hurt and not being so coddled that they feel like they need you for everything um yeah so that's something i would like to do i did do a game sort of like yeah yeah it's sort of in the same ballpark as insurance (laughs) I I did design a game jam a long time ago about co-parenting that was kind of like that, but not quite. <laughs> co-parenting, that'd be, feels like that's a co-petitive game, not a cooperative game from based on oh, all yeah. the people I've heard feedback <laughs> from on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like all my other games, it's a multi-victor game. And... <laughs> right. <laughs> the goal is for the kid to win. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the it was a legacy game. So after you you finish ruining the child, that that deck would be somebody's player in the next game. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, y'all. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, we talked for a long time, and I love it. Um, so uh, before we go, though. Um, Zoe, we'll start with you. Do you have any uh, info for how people can reach you that you want to throw out there or no? Yeah. um, The best way to find me is if you go to knifebunny.com because that's pretty much got all my social media on there. Um, Actually, I need to add Blue Sky to it, um, but (laughs) my Blue Sky is pretty easy to find once you've found my other stuff on there. Uh, Yeah. Awesome. And uh, Rob, do you have any uh, any info yeah. like that? You know, I'm on Blue Sky now. I am Robbie Bergstrom. Looks like I have two followers and am following 11 and one post where I think I told Elizabeth Hargraves I liked her Kickstarter video. Um, <laughs> um, you can also ask uh, Siri to play rob bergstrom live at victory hall if you want to hear me croon 25 years ago uh and you can go to youtube and search left foot breaking breaking without the e and smell of authenticity to hear my band play an eight song set um so yeah i'm going to push music instead of game design that's awesome i want to go listen to that stuff i've heard some of your music before and it was good well thank you well, all right, y'all. Uh, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com. There you can find a link to our Discord. You can also email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. Um, I think that's it. So, of course, the blah, blah, blah. Come back every single week. But, hey, especially next week because it's episode 600 and we've got something special for you that I think you're really going <laughs> to like. It's going to be exciting. But until then, good night. Have a good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game 
with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends, the end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.